Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. What up, Nerd Nation? Steve here from the Dads with Nerdy Ambitions podcast, or DNA for short, your go-to podcast for all things nerd culture. You want to know fun facts about the latest movies? Done. Interested in a new hobby? We've got you. Have questions and want to hear from the experts? Say no more. Join me and my crew every week to hear about our latest takes on everything nerdy and go on a few tangents on the Dads with Nerdy Ambitions podcast, where we know it's not just a hobby, it's hereditary. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. So we have got an awesome interview lined up for you all today. Long time, I guess not long time, relatively recent friend of the show, but we'll get into that in just a second here. In the meantime, Mr. Millers, Mr. Meyer, pleasure to see you as always. Good evening. How are things down south today? Things are going quite well. Busy day, but finally got to the space we needed to be. I've got the right shirt on. For those who can't see me, I'm in my Superman tee. This is Ugh. one of my three. This is the newest of the three. Not the one that I wore on the day my youngest son was born, which I still have 16 plus years later. But this is the one I got today. So my it, wife picked it, it out for me tonight. It's a bandana, but it's not. A, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> it looks hot. I wish it was hot. I'm sitting here in my, my I'm always cold sweatshirt up here because it, uh, it is somehow it is middle of August and yet. Winter. I don't. I don't Dude, get it. So down here in Connecticut, we're still getting we're getting unseasonably cool evenings, but it was still up in the eighties today. <laughs> right now, it is it's cool. I'm just I not wish. freezy yeah. like you, but I'm also doing great. Fantastic evening today. We we did some stuff around the house. We're finally listed, but we did a dump run. Congratulations! Just the same, Congratulations! Now here yeah. we are and yeah. ready we to are. talk some catacon. And, and so speaking of cool topics, <laughs> uh-huh. so, oh, did I just tease her? The my bad. <laughs> If anybody read the show notes, they know exactly what the show is about here tonight. But right. to make it official, we have got Michael Ross from the RPG Academy, who is becoming a regular staple on our show, and we are much the better for it. Are you gonna be, we're going to be talking about the fully funded Kickstarter, I will add, <laughs> for his gaming convention, Catacon. But before we get into all that, Michael, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. How are you this fine evening? I'm doing great. Thank you so very much for having me back on. I like to think yeah. that since we've now connected, we have retroactively gone back and we've been friends for years and years. I love it. Exactly. Absolutely. Because um, yeah. again, all my games 
time travel happens at some point. So as long as Excellent. one of you has a magical dagger of some sort, this is right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> Perfect. Absolutely. I've been talking to you for years by listening to the RPG Academy. It's nice to know that I can actually talk to you from my from way back. Exactly. We've had it for a long time. Vis a vis profit. Yeah. Exactly. Let us begin then with the business of the evening. And uh, as we said, your fully funded Kickstarter campaign for a catacon. So we're going to roll initiative and throw questions at you in a minute. But uh, love it. Before we get in there, what the heck is a catacon? Go ahead and lay it out. What are we talking about tonight? It's a mistake. It should never have happened. <laughs> it continues to plague my ever waking moment, but it is. I, also a dream come true. Again, you've listened to our podcast for a while, so you probably know, but for the sake of the bit, we'll continue on here. So part of the podcast, like early days, 2012 or so is when we started the show. I think I went to Gen Con and that, I did go to Gen I don't think that. I did go to Gen Con for the first time ever. It was the first convention I had ever gone to in my life. And it was a life-changing event. I absolutely just had, I had so much fun. I couldn't stand it. So on the way home, I said, like, I can't wait a year to do that again. So we're going to start our own convention for the RPG Academy convention. Makes sense. Catacomb. Now, a smart man would have Googled and found that there's 37 other conventions that are within an hour drive of my house. But no, I didn't do that. And thus, a catacomb was born. And it's gone through a couple versions that were just at my house that were like invite only. And then our first year we went to Kickstarter. We had this really small event out in the woods of Oxford, Ohio at a lodge full of vultures. And then it just has <laughs> continued to grow and grow. And now this is our eighth year as a public event, 10th year overall. So we're going to Catacon X and it's got this sort of like X-Men 97 theme. But when you look at our logo, it's very much inspired by the blue and yellow neon of the X-Men cartoon. And cool. Our subtitle is Cons of Future Past because we're trying to get back to where we were pre-COVID. Like we had a really good year in 2019 and then COVID happened and we had skip a year. And then last year we had a really down year as far as attendance. So sure. it all makes sense if you don't look at it too hard. If you squint just right, it all makes perfect sense. I love it. I love I it. Was, uh, fantastic. I, I've listened to you for years, but I'm, I'm so sorry. I became an active listener last year when you got into that cycle of trying to get through and the attendance was down. And if anybody listening to my voice wants to know how much this particular convention creator cares about the experience of his, of the people who attend feel know that there was a sound in your voice <laughs> that I felt was different. And that that's not a dig. That is more of a, Thank you for being you and doing what you do, because I've been to a lot of conventions, mostly comic book conventions. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. I used to own a comic book store. I've written comic books. Cool. Uh, and when I say written comic books, it was like I wrote two comic books. It, it counts. So I get the plural on it. but Yeah, you get the S. <laughs> that S is worth you a know, lot. The, the S is everything, right? But I can tell you, and I've even run one convention help part of the committee that put together a convention. I've done security at WishCon at one point-ish. One of those, your club gets to do security for one one, one panel or something like that. Okay. But I got to do, I've been around a lot of conventions, but I don't think I've been able to truly get a sense of how personal and how important it, it is to provide a good experience other than the one I ran myself <laughs> in our particular group than yours. And I feel that you are on that same level that we were at, which is 
we just got to put out a good, like people need to enjoy their time, whether it's a one and done or not. Everybody who walks through these doors has to feel this was a good time. This was worth whatever shillings they had to put out for it. And I felt that in the tone of your voice and it's someday I got to get out to Ohio just for that. I would absolutely love to have the three of you there. I I know it sounds like it's not going to happen this year for some very good reasons, but I would absolutely (laughs) love to have you, the three of you out, host you, get you some, play some games with you, like all that kind of good stuff. That'd be amazing. Absolutely. And again, anyone who does listen to our show, again, the Catacon truly, it was born out of my basement. So it was just like a a gaming weekend that sort of had delusions of grandeur. So everything (laughs) we do is with the idea that we're still playing games just with our friends. And that's our motto for the Catacon is it's gaming with friends, old and new. So these are your friends, whether you've just met them or not. And we've made decisions that go against the business side to try to continue to inhabit that. We don't charge anything extra. Once you have a badge, everything's free. There's no $2 per game or anything like that (laughs) because we don't want to encourage people to run games for money or for free badges. So basically you get a slight discount on your badge if you run games. We want people to run games because they love that game and they want to share it with other people. And that may mean we never grow to a size like Gen Con, obviously, but or even some of the other cons around us. But when you're at our event, it does feel like you're just hanging out with your buddies and your friends. And again, whether you know them, knew them beforehand or not, these will be your friends when we're done. And part of that is because we're in one basically big room. So if you have a great game with somebody, every time you sit down, you look over, you're going to see the same people that you just gamed with. You're going to see the DM. You're going to see the other players. So it it feels very intimate, partly because it is, because it's only 350 people. And that's what we want. In the perfect world, we'd scale up a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we can break it up to about, bring it up to about five, six hundred, maybe. Yeah. If we get to five, six hundred people 10, a year. Thousand. No, I, you see my hair now? It's already going gray. I, it would all fall out and I would die of a heart attack. But it, realistically, if we could get to, let's say, a thousand people, it would pay for itself. We'd be able to just cycle the money over every year after year. And that's, that's all we really need. Cause that year we had 500, it was a fabulous year. And then we based everything off of that. And then we crashed and burned because not as many people showed up. And that was what got us not really in trouble, but we lost money last year. And again, yeah. we're not trying to make money on this event. We're just trying not to lose money. And last right. year that was a problem. So this year our goal for the Kickstarter was actually a little higher than normal to try to pay that back. So we're looking really good right now. I think we are in fabulous shape as long as people show up. That was what hurt us last year is we sold like 330 badges, but only 180 people actually showed up. Mm, And we didn't have a lot of sales at the door. We didn't have a lot of people buying like the t-shirts and stuff. So that was the issue. But right now we're looking to be in great shape. So I'm very happy. Cool. All right. Let's let us roll our initiative and pepper uh, pepper Michael with questions all about a catacomb. And so, to right. commemorate the fact that Michael's on the show tonight, instead of rolling uh, D20s, we have broken out our D12s, Michael's favorite die, yes. to go ahead and roll initiative. So. Objectively, Objectively the best die. Yeah. <laughs> Objectively. <laughs> it's, that's a five for me. 19. You got the wrong D12 there, Glenn. Yes. Damn it. I got a one. <laughs> a one. Okay. I rolled an 11. Ooh. Ooh okay. Yours so goes to 11. And the initiative is yours, sir. So I, I, I had a, a question until you were talking about the history of the campaign. So all of my questions dashed to the wind. And <laughs> I, I need you to tell me this vulture story. I okay. no, I need some vulture in my life. 
Anybody, again, if you've listened to my show for a while, or if you come to a catacon, you will quickly figure out that most of what I do is because it makes me personally laugh and I don't care if other people get it or not. That's why it's still called a catacon, even though that is objectively a terrible name because legitimately everyone who sees it assumes it's a video game convention. They think it's Arcadacon and I have to constantly say, there's no R there. It's a cat. Again, it's a terrible name, but I love it. So the first year that we did this publicly, we, uh, we found a place at the lodge in Oxford, Ohio. And it is this really old rustic cabin looking thing. It's literally out in the middle of the woods. GPS is loose signal. It's hard to find. There's like nothing around it. So once you're there, you're trapped. And there are vultures everywhere. So when you, if you see any of our pictures from that first year, tons of people just took pictures of rows upon rows of vultures up on the rafter, the, the roof and the trees and everything. So it became like a joke that we would always say, if someone missed a game, like if a DM had to cancel, like, oh, the vultures must have got him. Or you know, if someone just didn't make it, oh, the vultures got them. So it became this little joke that we did. And then when we rolled, basically, we loved the lodge. was amazing for our first event, but it was already clear that even at that size, like 130 people roughly, we were a little too big for it. And if we wanted to grow, we had to find another place. So we have this sort of like motif of, the DCC, the Debate and Convention Center, where we're at now, it is big enough to let us grow substantially, but it's a lot more expensive. There's a lot of other factors that go with it. So then it's, everything's against the vulture. The vulture is the idea of we, we're not going to grow. We need to settle for moving backwards, maybe like even security and safety. So if you look at our logos over the years, they almost always involve a dragon fighting a vulture in some way or another. And that's what that represents. The dragon is the growth and the vulture is going backwards or settling for what we were at, at before. No one gets that unless you were at the first Akatacon, but we do it every mm. year because it makes me laugh. Awesome. I really would love for you to report back and do one of your <laughs> faculty retreats at, at, the lo at the lodge and just have updates on the vultures. I think that you know, would be a lot of fun. That wouldn't be a bad idea. It really wouldn't. We are, we're doing, actually, we're doing... I can't talk to faculty retreats this year. We do one in Michigan every year, but a lot of times the local people can't make it. So we're actually doing another one in Oxford, probably 10 minutes from the lodge, but we got a much better price at a different place. But maybe yeah. if this year does really well and we actually have a little bit of bankroll, hmm. I could afford to throw a bit of a party there next year. So that's definitely on the short trip, list yeah. of things to yeah. do. So if the three of you, I know you can't make it to a catacomb, but we are doing a faculty retreat in September in Oxford, Ohio. If you're interested in doing that, that could be interesting. Yeah. It's a, basically it's a three day gaming weekend where we're in at an Airbnb. If you get an air mattress, you can sleep for free. There's no cost to get in. So think about it. I, see, I love it. This is fantastic. See, cool. I love that vulture story for a couple of different reasons. One, because it's hysterical with the vultures on the, I could just picture that like, like creepy and Gothic. I love it. But also the way that you folded it into this like motif about how you structure the convention and how how you judge progression and everything like that. Like it, it's a joke on the, on the surface level, but it also has this, no, like the vulture is everything that we're like working to, to grow from. And I, not against necessarily, but working to grow from it. I love that. That's fantastic. It's, so it's my question, part of the DNA. Yeah. It's become part of the DNA. Exactly. Yeah. So my question, and you know, I'm sure that this is a question with a very short, uh, succinct answer. You know who I am? Have you ever, are you um, new here? So, so what's like the biggest lesson that you have learned over the year about running a convention? Because this, this is what, like the eighth or ninth one now? The numbering system is also part of the joke. 
So technically this is our eighth year, but we skipped 2020 because of COVID, but we kept the numbering. So yep. this is a Catacon 10 or Catacon X. It's actually our ninth event, seventh public. So again, it makes <laughs> yeah, no yeah. sense unless you kind of squint. Well, it's like the biggest lesson or the biggest discovered truth that you have learned throughout the running of this convention. It's never easy. And again, I don't, this is not a boohoo, oh, 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 is me, but yeah, yeah. I have this saying that I love to say in regards to my life in general is it's never the hard things that are hard. It's the easy things that cause the problems. And so if you expect this to be a problem, you put effort and energy to prepare for it, to work through it, to get past it. It's the things that you're like, oh, that'll be easy. So I don't either mentally prepare or physically prepare because I assume it's just an autopilot. That's the thing that keeps throwing me for a loop because I'm like, oh, I've, this is going to be easy. And then that's the thing that that turns out to be hard. So even though we're at the DCC now, this will be our technically our seventh year there. It or Six, I think. I don't know. Again, math. But <laughs> it's like it should be on autopilot. But they have turned over management twice or management once, but the person I, re I work with twice and their fees change. So mm. it's like, okay. I know how much this is going to cost. I base my budget on it. And then once everything's in, in line, I call them like, hey, we're good to go. I need the contract. Oh, by the way, the contract is a lot more than what you thought it was <laughs> going to be. Or we've added these fees that you didn't have last time. Or we comped you something last time, but it's not on this comp this time because we're now under new management. And it's not just money. It's just the whole process is. And then this year it happened with a hotel. We always use the, the, the attached hotel. It used to be Crown Plaza. Now it's owned by Radisson. And mm -hmm. I've been working with the same lady every year. She's wonderful. But now they're owned by Radisson. So I'm like, okay, the Kickstarter is funded. We can go ahead and lock in contracts, send it to me. It's twice as much as it normally is. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, we're under new management and they're not doing the same things the same way. And so it's just thought, I thought that was locked in. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, it's twice as, and it's not a lot of, but it's still twice as expensive as it was. Yeah, yeah. And those are the things that get me. I assume that if I've done it before, it'll be the same. And that's almost never the case. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I can imagine. So it probably like you have to guarantee a certain number of rooms that are going to be in the hotel and everything like that. And that's just always. Yeah. We have a card. room yeah. block set aside and yeah, we yeah. get a, we get a little bit of discount whenever somebody uses that one, but it just, and like we do a VIP mixer. So all the special guests and any VIP backers and honestly, anybody who shows up can get into <laughs> this Thursday night thing that we do. And so we rent out a room for that. And that again, they doubled the cost on that. Mm. They didn't give us the room we actually wanted, but again, it's not a big deal. We're still going to get together and play games. But again, I have this budget spreadsheet and I'm not good at math. Anyone who's listened to me at this point knows that math is not a strong suit for me. So I try really hard to keep everything organized. And then I make my budget based off of last year. And then it's one thing if it goes up a little bit, but when things start doubling, then it's like, holy crap, my, all my yeah. spreadsheets are now like these red lights are flashing at me. And I'm like, oh my God. So I go back to the Kickstarter and I start freaking out again. And again, my goal is not to make money, but I, my goal is to not lose money. That's yeah, yeah. what we're aiming for. And I think we're still good, but those margins are getting thinner and thinner every time a new <laughs> hiccup pops up. Sure. All right, Mr. Myers. My question is going to be more of a general question about a catacomb because okay. we're sending this out to our listeners and most of them have likely been to a gaming convention before, but most of them likely have not been to a catacomb. Some may not have been to a gaming convention at all. So could you walk them through what a day at a catacon is like or what they can expect in terms of if they signed up for a catacon and came for this the game sign up process and what kind of events there are throughout the day if for 
Okay. Yeah, sure. So we're a three-day convention. So we have the, again, we have the thing on Thursday night, but mostly it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are the days of the actual events. I should throw out, we are in Dayton, Ohio, and our dates are November 4th, 5th, and 6th this year. So if anybody happens to be in Dayton, Ohio in November, I'm very sorry, but come see it. But it's very similar to a lot of other conventions. So we use a, a site called tabletop.events, which we did not use for our first few years. That, is, that has been a game changer. Anybody who's running a convention, use the site. It is well worth the small amount of money they take for their service. They provide well more than what they cost you to use. We have an open submission policy. So if you have a badge and you want to run something, you can put it on there as long as it's basically, we ask either it's family friendly or restrict it to an adult only type of game. We're not allowed to, there's no drinking in the DCC. Some of the games have mature themes, that kind of thing, but all that's on the event listing. So basically anybody who gets a badge can run things. You can run board game events, card game events. We will lean very heavily into role-playing games, obviously the RPG Academy, that's where we started. So even though if you look at most conventions, our size is 60, 40 board games, role-playing games, maybe even 70 to 30. We are the other way. We're like 70, 30 role-playing games. And we have wow. a ton of events and not just D&D Pathfinder. Obviously, those are representative. Usually we have organized play handle most of that for us. But you're going to get things at our convention like the indie games, again, like Action 12 Cinema that's still in development, Cypher System, Forbidden Lands, Dread. I actually, I run a D&D inspired murder mystery LARP every year and it actually comes with free cake. So if you like cake, you can eat it. You don't have to eat it, but <laughs> your character does. Important to know. So Excellent. you're going to have just a whole bunch of different types of events that you're may not get at some of the other conventions. Again, I don't know. I haven't been to all of them, but it feels like it's a little bit different for us. We also have an open game library. So if you have a badge, you can just check out one of the games we have, take it to tables that are designated as open play and play the game, bring it back when you're done. We have a selection of role-playing games, mostly starter sets, because it's hard to like just pick up a random RPG and run it. So if a game has a starter set that's designed for that, we try to have those. We have play to win games. So these are games that were donated by a publisher specifically to check out, play it, and then you return it. But you also get to put your name in to win that game and everybody who played with you can enter as well. So we have daily door prizes Friday, twice on Saturday, once on Sunday, we give away. And then the play to win is an additional giveaway just for those items. And we also have a door prize. I think I just said that raffle of the games that were donated specifically for that purpose. And we throw some money at that and buy a bunch of games too. So it's basically just chock full of playing games, hanging out, bad food at the convention, really good food at the barbecue place just down the street. So if it's not too terribly cold, everyone walks down there. They should actually pay us money because we send so much business their way, but they don't. <laughs> you stay up too late, play games, and then you try to recover on Monday. It's Leading up to a catacon is the most stress I have in my life, but the days of a catacon are the most fun that I have. That's awesome. amazing. And you make it made it sound even better when you told us we get to have our cake and eat it too. And eat it too. Mm. Yes. I love it. I love it. See, I, I, I do enjoy cake. eating I heard cake. barbecue. Yeah. I was focused Porque on the cake and eat it too yeah. joke, honestly, trying not to let it <laughs> slip out of my brain. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you got to hold on to Yeah. Eat the barbecue, then eat, go play the game and eat the cake. That's, that's right. That's a match made in heaven right there. So, all right, gentlemen. Round two. Let's roll our D12s here. Uh, eight for me. Nine. Eleven. Ooh. Another eleven. Are Double there only elevens? I know. Are there only elevens on your die there, uh, Luminica? Is that did you only so get your far. D eleven? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe right. you should have again then, Mr. Miller. Yeah. So you mentioned that there's uh, t shirts 
which I assume means there's other memorabilia available. What are the types of things beyond just t-shirts or can you let us know? And are they available for those who back, but can't attend? So yes. So yeah. So we put together, we have a custom D6 that we make every year. A lot of conventions do that. Each year has our logo or has some sort of special thing. Like our seventh year, we went with the ours goes to seven subtitle. So we had a D6 plus one made. So it had no one. It was two through seven on the sides. Okay, that's uh, cool. And then this year, Catacon X. So it says a Catacon left to, and then 22, 2022 down. To so it makes an X on, the, on what would be the six. So basically everyone who shows up gets one of those. If people want to buy extra, they can. They're pretty cheap. We don't, again, we're not trying to make money. We're just trying to lose money. Before I got into, which I've been into RPGs my whole life, but this whole, the whole podcast thing has become an obsession. Before that, I was big into poker. So I ran like a poker league out of my house, played all the time, went to casinos, lost a ton of money, but I can't do that cool chippy thing where you like stack the chips and then shuffle them together with one hand. It's very <laughs> impressive. But I paid way too much money to learn that trick. So I get poker chips made every year. So on one side, it has our RPG Academy logo. On the other, it has that year's Akatacon logo. And I use them like when I play games, I use them for inspiration or for Benny. So they have a have a side use as well. Um, so all our VIP badge holders get some of those for free and people can buy them extra. We have t-shirts made. So usually we do a generic, the logo, like the RPG Academy logo on a red shirt. And then we have a special Kickstarter only, which is the, that year's logo. So that year it's the, this year's the blue, the two Vulture and Dragon fighting each other and the Cons of Future Past logo will be on a, a t-shirt you can buy, but you have to get that through the Kickstarter. That's the only way to get that one, but we'll have other shirts. And you may have seen, I have a shirt we made called, if you can read this, I failed my stealth check. So we usually have a bunch of those for sale. I absolutely love the logo that we came up with this year. It just, it tickles me every time I see it. So I've been putting in all kinds of stuff. I bought a mouse pad for myself with it on there. And then I bought one of those neoprene dice trays where you snap them the corners together. You make a little yeah, dice yeah. tray. So we, we just put on there, hey, if you want, that so this is the first year we're offering those but people are buying them so we got mouse pads we got dice trays we got dice t-shirts and poker chips now the thing is technically we don't mail anything so if you don't show up we're not going to mail stuff out because it's just again we're not trying to make money but we're trying not to lose money but there's a couple people that have backed us at a pretty high level we sell hey totally up to you but if you happen to throw some of this stuff into a box and happen to send it my way here's my address those people are probably going to get it, but they backed at a level way above what's going to cost me to send it. So our base answer is no, but if you're really interested, talk with me. We'll probably work something out. Nice. I was reading on the Kickstarter about the Envoy program, where that's actually coming from Double Exposures. Yeah, Double Exposure is like the over umbrella thing, and then the, the Envoy program is within that. So Envoy program, tell us about it. I know it's got play and you can win. I know that there's a number of games involved or any specific games you can tease or about the 25 brand new games, etc. Take it so, away. So I can't give you any specifics because I don't know yet, but basically, again, Double Exposure is a remarkable program. And it's, from what I can gather, it's just a couple people who do what I do. They're like, hey, we're going to start our own convention and they're just more successful at it. And they have parlayed that into a relationship with a lot of these game publishers where they are the point person. So I contact them and say, Hey, I'm holding an event. This is roughly how many people will be there. They then talk to all the publishers they have a relationship with and a X number of publishers will send them a game that they then send to us that is specifically for the play to win program. 
So again, I just don't know what they're going to send you. I know there's a couple other conventions around me that I'm friendly with that are bigger and they usually get more games because it's based on the expected attendance. But essentially that's what's going to happen. They're going to send me a game. Based on our size, I'm estimating 18 to 25 because that's what it's been in the years past. And those will go into the play to win program. But I also have basically, so here's a secret. First of all, don't Ooh, start your own convention. Secrets. Okay, just don't do it. But Sorry, if you, you do... Say that louder for Luanico over there. Is that, do not start your own convention. But if you do, <laughs> you cannot have shame. It will not work unless you are truly shameless. So I have a list of a roughly 500 game publishers, artists, game designers, and I send every one of them an email that says, Hi, I'm Michael, blah, 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 blah. Would you like to sponsor a catacon? Here's all the ways you can do this. This level, if you wanted to send cash, here's my PayPal. This is what we can do in exchange for a sponsorship, blah, 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 blah. I send that to everybody I can think of. And 90% of them never respond. 5% of them say thanks, but no thanks. But 5% say, yeah, here's some free stuff. And that also goes into like anybody who donates something, they can tell me what they would like their prizes or their donations to do. Some of them say, do whatever you want. So we put some in the play to win. Some go into the game library that we just let everybody use and some go to the prizes. So I'm getting a bunch of stuff because I got a lot of people I'm sending. So even at 5% and you've probably seen the tweets I've been sending out new sponsor. Those are the people who said yes. The funny thing is if you really pay attention, you'll notice that all the people who've responded, the name of their company starts A, B, or C, because those are the people <laughs> I started with. Now we're getting into the D's and E's. And as it's going to go, you're going to see the numbers change or the letters change because I'm getting further along in my list. Mm. So we're going to be able to add some games to the play to win from those people. So we're probably going to end up with more games for play to win than the Envoy program provides, but I don't have those specific shit either. Okay. I hope I answered your question. I got lost in my no, that was yeah. That was great. No, that's great. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Laugh because Luanika has casually tossed around that maybe someday eventually we'll pull some friends into a barn to go ahead and run a little miniature game convention. And so I, I jokingly say, please remind him that we should never do that. So think um, of it this way: that's like saying, "Hey, why don't we come in together and just smoke some drugs, like just a little bit? We're not going to get hooked on these drugs, but we're going to just <laughs> have some drugs." You think that it's a one-time thing, but before you know yeah. it, you're you yeah. got all your friends involved. That's a terrible metaphor. Yeah. Feel free to cut all yeah. that. There were four years in a row where the day I got to a catacon, I told everybody, we're not doing it again. This is the last year. I cannot deal with this again. I just, it's too much work. It's too much stress. This is the last one. Enjoy it. And by the end of that weekend, I'm like, guys, we're doing it again. And (laughs) I'm not kidding. I did that four years in a row because it was so stressful. But then and it, invariably it happened where someone would come up to me and say, thank you so much for doing this. This is my favorite event, or this is my first time year. And I had first time here and I had so much fun. I can't wait to come back. And like my icy heart melted over that weekend. <laughs> and by the end, I'm like, okay, we have to figure out a way to do it again. So it is so much work, but it really is kind of worth it too. Yeah. All right. Cool. And his heart grew 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> If anybody knows Mike, he's like the least grinchy person on the face of the planet, which makes that infinitely funnier. Ah, welcome travelers. I see you have found your way. Welcome to the heroic subclasses of the Multiverse Kickstarter. Which are your favorites? Are you telling stories of political intrigue? 
perhaps the metropolitans of you. Are your tales dark, mystical, and mysterious as the Shadow Dwellers themselves? Or are you out for high adventure and want to take your ship to explore the lands of the Boiling Seas? Do you hear the call of the wild and want to dive into the Outlanders? Help us bring you these amazing subclasses, plus backgrounds, feats, adventures, and more. Fair time, friends. For Legends Await. So, I want you to extol the virtues of a catacon for just a minute. What is the thing that really makes a catacon different or unique? Or what's the thing that you love most about a catacon? Again, I don't have enough time. So, I'm going to hit some of the highlights. Because we're not bigger than we are, we can't really incentivize playing running games like a Gen Con can. And that's a terrible example because they are the biggest. But I'm like a game hole con. There's, I don't know. 5,000 people go to that. A lot of those conventions, if you run enough games, you get a free badge or maybe a free hotel, that type of thing. We can't afford to do that. So we say if you run two events and it doesn't matter what they are, then you get a half price badge. That's the max, the most we can do and still be profitable in any way. So the people who run games at our convention are not doing it in any way because it's incentivized. And I'm not trying to say the people who do that at Gen Con, that's all they're there for. That's absolutely not the case. But there is a bit of, if I run three games, then I get a free batch. Like that does happen. And, or especially they do it by player hours. So if you run a game for eight people, that's twice as good for you than if you run a game for four people. I personally don't like games with more than five players. So we don't incentivize player hours. It's just events. So you can, again, you can run a two-player game if you want. It counts as an event. So most of our games are smaller, have less people, and they are there because the person running it wants to run that. They're not really being incentivized. So they're running the game that they love. They want you to love it too. So whether that's a board game demo or an RPG that maybe someone made up their own, because again, that happens, you're truly getting a, I love this game and I want to share it with you experience that you may not get at some other conventions. I'm not saying no other convention does that, but it's something that happens a lot at our convention is you have people who are just truly passionate about running games and they're the ones that are running it for you. And I think a big part of that, you can realize, like we have VIPs who pay more than twice the normal cost for a badge for very little benefit. And we have VIPs who run events. Like they just want to support us, they throw us extra money, but they will run events too. And, I, and again, every time I see that, my, again, my heart continues to melt a little bit more. The fact that we don't charge per game. So once you have a badge, everything's pretty much free. There's a, a very few limited exceptions to that. Like if someone runs a tournament where they're going to give away a prize, we say, yeah, if you want to charge five bucks because you're going to pay for the prize, that's cool. Yeah. There's Artemis Space Bridge Simulator comes every year. We let them charge because they do have an expensive setup and they have to pay for all the digits the TVs and monitors and stuff. But for the most part, 99.9% of our stuff, once you have a badge, it's free to use. The game library is free to use. The play to wins are free to use. So you get that feeling that you're just playing with friends that you, it's, again, I go to conventions, but there is a little bit of a disconnect of, I paid eight bucks for this game or I paid 14 bucks for this game. And that's not there at our convention. We're not the only ones, but that is something that's unique, not unique, but is different compared to some of the other conventions. So it just feels more like you're playing with your friends. And again, that's what we're going for. Amazing. Cool. All right, gentlemen. Round number three. Round three. Yeah. 
Done. It's a ra- round three, and you're the bard. You've been taking it in the crapper. That's right. Okay. Wow. I, I've got a wow. ten. Shots fired. A, I also have a ten. <laughs> He's got the higher decks. Would you believe? No, I wouldn't. Three. Make you re-roll. Okay, I was gonna say. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. Glad why don't you go first, and I'll go second. As long as Luminica goes last, that's all I really care about. Okay. Thank you, Josh. There's so much love on this. <laughs> We've been friends for too long for love. Let's see. So earlier we talked about the vultures from the very beginning, but I'm sure, I'm positive, I'm confident that there are many amazing stories from a catacomb's past. Why don't you regale us with some of the best stories that have come from previous Akatakons to give people an idea of what kind of shenanigans might come up in the current one. I'm trying to think of a couple that come to mind. So again, this is very self-serving, but this whole process is self-serving, right? That's, we're on here talking about your gaming yeah. convention, Michael. It's self-serving. That's again, <laughs> Dayton, Ohio, November 4th, 5th, and 6th. Kickstarter is going now, just in case people forgot. <laughs> and even if you can't come, throw us a donation. Yeah. So I put together this D&D inspired murder mystery LARP. And again, I'm an amateur game designer. You had me on recently for Action 12 Cinema. So I'm always fiddling with stuff. Tons of fun. Thank you. Coming to Kickstarter, hopefully fairly soon. And so I've been working on, I love murder mysteries. I'm sure we talked about that when I was on before. If not, I'm sorry. I love murder mysteries and role-playing games. It's one of my favorite things to do. So I came up with this idea of doing a murder mystery LARP and it's evolved over time, but each year it gets a little bit better. And it is probably the highlight event. I'm going to say it's the highlight event for a lot of people at Academy because it was only limited to eight spots. Almost everybody costumes, not always, but usually people come in costumes. We have five NPC characters. They always come in costume. It involves actual free cake. And one of the things that happens is like, it's D&D inspired because some characters have D&D inspired abilities. One can roll a D20 and it's like a motivate or intimidation or manipulation. If they roll well, they can force another character to reveal something they don't want to reveal. We also play Jenga because I love Dread. So there's a, some of that. So the last time we played it, one of the characters, again, they're the one that can roll a D20. And if they roll well enough, they can force someone to reveal something they don't want to reveal. And we were right at the end of the game. Pretty much it had become clear who the actual murderer was. And that player set everything up. We had the big speech ready to do the Columbo style reveal. They rolled their D20, not crapping you, natural 20 forced the person to confess to the group that they were the fact, which I think everyone knew anyways, but it just absolutely couldn't have scripted it better. It was probably the best playthrough we've ever done. And just like the room went wild. It was just, it was like an amazing moment. Absolutely. I love running that event. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. That sounds Uh, great. We've had several podcasts that have come as special guests in the past, including one shot, which is a very huge podcast in our space. They've done live shows before. I'm going to mess up the name One Shot Onslaught. They're like the flagship of a of the Majestic Goose Network. And they have a whole bunch of shows and Twitch shows. And they came on, they put a live show. The Broadswords came once, put on a live show. The guys from DM's Block came and they run a side podcast called Geek Wars, which is like a really hard geek-inspired trivia show. And they came once, and then Rich Baker was one of our special guests that year. And so he participated, <laughs> and I think they actually ended up losing. So like someone got to say they beat Rich Howard at, or not Rich Howard, Rich Baker at D&D-inspired trivia game. So that was a big deal. And wow. then I guess I'll end with some of the people who came met 
and formed a game company and they have a game they put on Kickstarter that successfully funded and it's close to coming out. And they always say that we wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for Catacon. So we bring wow. people together, relationships are formed. Like kind of what I'm waiting for is to find out that A, someone got married at a Catacon or they found their spouse. Like they, they made a connection that led to a relationship. And then eventually I want there to be a baby born because of a relationship. That's like the two next things on my list of a catacomb benchmarks is a love connection <laughs> and then child born of a union. Amazing. Awesome. Those are great goals. I can't yeah. help you with either of those. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, yeah. was going to say that that's why we're not able to go to a catacomb <laughs> this year because it's entirely possible that my wife will be, will be having our child right around that time. It's a little too close for comfort. I'll still oh. count it. Like if they're born over that weekend, we still will claim that. I appreciate your willingness to go ahead and claim my second one. Being the resident mechanics guy, I want to talk a little bit about, about how you put together a catacomb and how, it, how like the pre-show or the pre-convention execution runs. So you fund every year on Kickstarter. That's where you start with the Kickstarter campaign to sell your pre-stack. Why do you use Kickstarter for that platform and what does that flexibility give you? So the short answer is because I'm dumb. And most answers start there. But in truth, the reason why is because we tried to model ourselves off of some other conventions that were roughly our size and scope, and that's what they did. So it just made sense. But realistically, it's because we have no money. And say it every time. We're not trying to make money. We're trying to break even. Uh, sure. Most years, we've been successful at that. I think one our first year, we came out ahead like 120 bucks. In 2019, our best year, we came out ahead about 1700 Last year, we lost almost 3000 So... Again, overall, we're in the red, but our goal is to break even. So since we don't have any money up front, we want to make sure every year that we have enough support to cover our deposits. That's basically what the Kickstarter allows us to do. Make sure that we have enough vendors who are going to come, enough players are going to come, that I can sign my name to a contract that says the DCC is going to take this much money from me. And no matter what else happens, we're not going to lose so much that we won't be able to do it again. And that's basically what we're doing is just to make sure we have enough support to cover our deposits. So we have a deposit we have to put at the DCC. We have a deposit that we have to pay to the hotel, again, for the room that we rent and all that kind of stuff. And then we have things that we buy before because the lead time on things like the t-shirts, most of them are already ordered. The mm -hmm. dice, they're already ordered. The poker chips are already ordered. So as soon as I see that the Kickstarter is looking to fund, I just hit enter on all those emails that are set up. So I just want to make sure that we have enough to cover those. The truth be told, there are people who will support the Kickstarter that would not just donate money. That's just, that's why Kickstarter exists. So as we get close to funding, there are people who've went in like they, they pledge for a badge, but they'll change it at five more dollars. Or people will yeah. say, here's 10 bucks towards your game library that we wouldn't get if we just opened up our tabletop event site. Maybe someday we grow beyond that. I know Gen Con obviously doesn't do that. Game Hole Con doesn't do that. At some point, I would like to not do that. But until I have enough money in the bank from the year prior to cover those deposits, we're going to continue to do that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And do you find that the buzz that Kickstarter gives you to go ahead and head into the convention inevitably serves the convention better or anything I like think that too? So we obviously, we have a core group that pretty much come every year. Like the VIPs yeah. are pretty much the same every year. The vendors are pretty much the same every year. So even if we went off Kickstarter, I would probably get still 80% of those same people that would go day one to the tabletop event side and, and put their money down too. But we do get, it's also a marketing tool because there are people 
that are close to Dayton that will find us on Kickstarter that doesn't didn't know we existed otherwise. So it is an outreach tool that lets us, we, we had people say, I never knew you were in Dayton. Like I live in Dayton. I didn't know you existed, which is <laughs> drives me wild. So it also allows us to reach people that would might, might not know us otherwise. And there is that buzz of excitement as you had a stretch goal and you get close with somebody yeah. who's I don't even care, but I'll throw 10 bucks because I just want to see them succeed. That kind yeah. of stuff happens. So I think it's worth it, even though we lose roughly 10%. Kickstarter takes five. Processing fees take about five. So whatever we make, we're actually going to get about 90, I think it's like 91 and a half percent, just so yeah. you know, for your Kickstarter. <laughs> I think it's well worth that for the marketing outreach we get. Yeah. Cool. All, All right, right, Mr. Miller. That brings it to me. And I guess my third and final question is, embedded into conventions as a whole and specifically those running the conventions you mentioned the fact that podcasting and the rpg academy and farm to fable those are passions of yours that show no signs of slowing down please don't slow them down please don't slow them down <laughs> they're only speeding up excellent excellent upward and onwards i I guess my question is this, how does a catacon fuel your passion for the podcast and the, and your other creative endeavors and how do those other creative endeavors fuel a catacon? All right. Literally a catacon would not exist if it wasn't for the RPG Academy. Like they are interconnected in a way that could never be separated. It's my personality that I've always been that kind of person I like to provide. So like when we were in college, my room was the hangout room. Like I had all the consoles, people came to my room to play video games. I, we had, again, I was a dork, don't get me wrong. So we played chess, like we had <laughs> a chess club. We would be in my room to play chess, but I was always the room that people would come to. And that's how it works. Like when I play D&D, I like to be the DM. I like to bring people together and I enjoy providing a game to the players. I, like, I get energy back when I can see that they're having fun or when the game is over and they're like, I you can't wait to find out what happens next. Like I just, that fuels my energy. And a catacomb is basically that writ large. Again, I said, I was not going to do this again. And then every year people come up and say, I had so much fun. Thank you for doing this. Or my first year, can't wait to come back. It, that gives me energy more than anything else that I do for this hobby. Again, your podcasters, I'm sure that you love it when you get reviews, when you go to iTunes and you yeah. see there's a new review. Hopefully it's an actual review and not just a rating, even though those are cool. You love <laughs> to get the feedback. And if someone emails you, even if they don't leave a review, there's, hey, I found your show. I really enjoyed your take on this, or I had a lot of fun listening. That is fuel for my soul. So when people yeah. email the show, whether it's Farm to Fable or we get someone says Catacomb was great or your show was great, you can't adequately articulate how much that means to me. And there is a little bit of not, not arrogance, but I don't know there's a word I'm looking for here that that I get that from them. It continues to fuel a cycle of well, I'll do it again so I'll get that again. I'll do it again so yeah. I get that again type of a thing. It's like the endorphin rush. Yeah. I, I if I ran, I would say it's like when you run, but I don't run. So I just I, in theory I know that happens. <laughs> yeah. I only run when chased. Exactly. Chased, yeah, and exactly, even then, yeah, I'd yeah. rather fight. I'm, I'm yeah. going to lose either way. I'd rather lose <laughs> when I'm not winded. Exactly. I, I'm good for running for a brief time to say I ran so I could avoid <laughs> the conflict. But then eventually I turn around. And by eventually, I, I took two steps and I turned around. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for that answer. Because I absolutely feel and hear everything you're saying. When I was in college and just after college, I had the space. Josh spoke about it when we recorded just the other night about how my house had the magic tournament and yeah. we watched all the shows at my place. 
month before that place, my place was a place where everybody came over to watch Babylon 5. When I lived in Augusta and Glenn had moved up to Maine, where do you think we watched Smallville? Was, Smallville, yeah. was my place. It was his place also, but you know, basically <laughs> I said, we're right? doing this on your place? No, it was <laughs> our place, but I basically said, we're doing this on Thursdays because I always wanted to do that. And in a very similar fashion, I sing at karaoke because there's something about that exchange of energy with the audience or the people at your table. I'm just, when my buddy's kids say, Mr. Lee, that was a great game. That was so exciting. I was really worried there for a second. I'm like, I need more of that. I need more <laughs> yeah. of that. I, what can I do to get that next session? So that kind of thing. Just that's the way this hobby is. And I absolutely f hear what you're saying. And to listeners, to our show, to your show, comments are everything. I, you talk all the time about New York Tater. I've never met the man, but him and me, we're like that. Cause I like, He's always on. He's always sending you a message or an update when he's not there. That's how frequently he's on. And we have we have fans and patrons who are like that as well. And that yeah. feedback means everything to us. And I'm sure yeah. it's not unique to our two shows. So anybody out there listening, talk to the talk to your shows. Talk to the podcast okay. you listen to. Tell them, hey, it was a great episode. Tell them, hey, that was fun. Or hey, I'm still here with yeah. you. This ride is getting good. Uh a Patreon that pays off my house, but I know that's not going to happen. But if you're listening to any of my shows, you're listening to this show, send an email. Don't think for a second that they don't want to read it or they're just going to file it away. If you take yeah. the opportunity to just write a couple sentence email about something that happened in a recent show, I tell you, it means the world to us as hobby podcasters. I cannot yeah, stress how much it means. Totally. If you got five bucks, sure, send it along too. But yeah. the email is in a lot of ways more important than that $5 because that's yeah. what's going to keep us going when the $5 doesn't. Oh, yeah. It's like when we shared the comments of one of our listeners who loved, who found our show and fell in love with our actual play of Action 12 Cinema. And when we shared those right. comments with you, I could just tell like how happy you were. I put that everywhere. That. I went on Discord. Like I, I showed it to my wife and I love my wife because she does not <laughs> give a damn about the podcast, the catacomb. She's always like, why are you doing this again? But I went yeah. nice like, look, see, people like my... And it absolutely refueled me in a lot of yeah. ways that wouldn't have happened any other. And I do want to quickly say that, uh, so right now we're right around $9,700. Our goal was 9,000. So we fund pretty early, yeah. which was very exciting. Thank you. We do have one stretch goal on the books right now. It's $10,000. We're just about 300 away. And it's for a karaoke night. If you're familiar with the Redemption podcast, as well as the Twitch stream, the Identico Twitch stream, Michael Walchlugger II He's this very out there, bombastic personality, and he's going to host it. We're going to do it in the DCC. We talked about maybe going offsite to like a bar, but then you got to worry about people coming for Catacon, people at the bar, yeah. whatever. So we're going to host it. It's going to be an internal thing where we're going to be able to monitor that. He is already trying to figure out what he can dress up as to be the host, whether it's like a suit, like a game show, a clown head, or maybe come like Motley Crue. We're not sure yet, <laughs> but if you are into karaoke at all, we're going to make it an awesome event. And again, we're 300 bucks away. So if you can't come, if you just want to see the pictures, $10 as a donation would mean the world. You just, broke Lee, I mean, you just broke Lee Winika's heart because we're not going to be able to make oh, it this year once know, you brought yeah, karaoke into it, too. Yeah. Oh, man. If it's a well-attended <laughs> event, we'll just roll that in next year as a standard event, and we'll come up with a different I mean, yes. Special. Yeah, I think that that sounds perfect. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so I think there's a donation coming your way. Earmark specific sure, yeah. karaoke. Absolutely. Uh, would love it. So do either of you two have a burning question for Michael before we, we get into end show here? I have one. Yes, yeah, actually. How about it? Yeah, go ahead. 
just it came to me when you were talking about vendors earlier, and I know you've got a vendor hall and hours for it, basically, where you can buy the things that I would assume y'all have ordered, like the poker chip and the t-shirt. But do you have other vendors who come in and set up booths like you find at some conventions where they're yes. trying to sell their products? Yep. I we, thought so. Yeah. So our vendor room, or our, sorry, our game room it is just one giant room, which again, helps with that feel. So in the center, we have all the game tables. And then on the edges, we have vendor spaces. So pretty much you're, we're all in the same room. So that if you're a vendor, you're going to, everybody's going to see you. You're going to see everybody. It's, we, if we ever get big enough, maybe we'll have a separate vendor hall, but I like the way it's set up now. So we have a lot of mostly local people because it's, again, it's not cost efficient at our size for someone to spend a lot of money to come. So usually it's people that are local anyways, but we have several artists that come every year. We have a lot of crafts people who like, like crochet Pokemon or D&D characters, Legend of Zelda. We have a couple retailers who will come and sell game books and minis and that kind of thing. But it's mostly craftsy, arty people who come. So if you're looking for a custom Sailor Moon drawing or, or painting, you can get that. We've had people, I bring that one up specifically because someone was selling those and one of our visitors had like a request and then the artist went home and actually made what, because they didn't have it and brought it back the next day. And then was like, here's the thing that you were looking for. I didn't have. And then they sold it, which is pretty nice. amazing. Our fees for vendors are very low. Like, even at our size, they're lower than they should be because I want the vendors to have a good show too. I want them to have fun. I want them to play games. I want them to run games and I want them to make their money. So for our size, I've literally been told by the vendors, you don't charge enough and I don't change my prices. And if we grow really big, I'll change them a little bit, but I want our vendors to have a good time and, and be profitable. So I make it as basically as low as I can to justify having them. Follow-up question. Yes. Do you have a package deal on badge and vendor space? Say, as an example, if you happen to have content creators who are coming as maybe special guests and running games, but they also had a booth with some of their materials on it. So standard, if you get a vendor booth, it comes with four badges. So if you have more oh. than four, I'll do $10 for each badge beyond that. So if you have eight people coming, it's still not going to cost you that much more. And again, honestly, if you have five people, I'll just give you a fifth badge. That's just Fantastic. But, but yeah, so basically, again, you get vendor table you get it for the entire weekend. We provide the table if you want it or the space, if that's all you need, if you have your own setup. And it comes with up to four badges. Now, one small caveat is only one of those get entered into the system so that you can submit games or register to play games. The other three are just physical badges so people can show up and hang out. But you can still jump into games. If there's an open seat at a table you can use that badge to play, but you can't pre-register and take that away from someone who bought a player badge, if that makes mm. sense. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. Cool. All right. I, One last burning question for you before before we get it, let you talk. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Lunica. Yeah. yeah. I was going to suggest more of a commentary, but as a person who used to go to conventions when I owned my comic book store, table cost is everything for vendors. They make their decisions based on, am I likely at an event X size to sell Y product to cover Z cost. That's exactly how it works for vendors out there. Anybody listening to the podcast, if you're thinking about running a show, obviously Michael has given his advice or running a convention. He's, he's provided his advice. Some folks may not ever listen to that and <laughs> will probably intend to do so at some point in the future. Told you got one. This may pause him for a moment, but, but that, it's appreciated by vendors. It really is. If you've got vendors there, that, that lets them keep their prices more reasonable so people can go in and buy more stuff. And when people go to conventions, they want to buy things. Oh, That's yeah. why they yeah. go. And if everything yeah. is 
outside of their price range because that's the cost of the tables, then they have less fun. They they don't walk away with some tangible piece of this show. It's harder for people to enjoy and want to return. Kudos to you for recognizing that. I wish more conventions did. Some Mm. of that is a factor of where they go. I went to a convention local to me and there were some things that were probably more reasonable, but I would say almost anything that was action figure oriented was close to $50. Like almost everything. And I, the location was very big and it was a great convention. I had a blast. I met some great stars. I met some great people. I got to talk with some friends. I got to meet some great content creators, shake hands with one of my heroes, Larry Hamm of GI Joe fame. But at the same time, I was very cognizant of that cost issue. I did meet one vendor and bought one thing that actually was a, it was a creator and I bought his book because his art was amazing and I was very into what he was doing. A convention that is focused on the games and the players and the people and keeping things at a, at a, done in a way that as many people as possible can enjoy it is definitely a thing and appreciated by at least this fan. Cool. It's one of the things that I sometimes have a hard time wrapping my mind around. And again, I, I promise I'm not just trying to be like self-serving here. Normally I am, but this time I'm not. <laughs> but like I plan for, it's kind of like my Christmas. I look forward to it every year. I save up money. I go there. I splurge. I spend a lot of money at Gen Con. There are people who do that with a catacon. That is their vacation. I have people who come from, I've had people come as far as California. We had one guy who comes from Sweden most years. People fly out from Arizona. So, so we are truly like the joke, we're an international destination event, right? But there are people that that is their Gen Con. They save up money every year. They plan their vacation around it. They come there with money in their pocket to have fun, whether that's buying games at the dealer hall or buying crafty stuff, eating good food at some of the local restaurants. But I, it sometimes still blows my mind to think that a catacon is their Gen Con. And it's just, again, when it happens, that's where that heart melting thing comes from when someone tells me I've been looking forward to this all year. I came here with my family or I came here without my family because it's my vacation, whatever your specific case may be. But it's just, it's, again, it's just hard for me to wrap my, my head around it. But I do recognize at an intellectual level that for some people that is, they're looking forward to it all year event. Michael, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so very much for coming on here. Where can our listeners find the Acaticon Kickstarter and how can they get involved and start planning their vacation in November? Absolutely. I love Kickstarter for what it does, but its search function is terrible. So if you go to their search bar and you type a catacon, it does not find it until you hit the last letter. A doesn't find it, AC doesn't find it, but if you type in a catacon, which is A-C-A-D-E-C-O-N, so like academy and convention, all that together, you'll find it. If you go to the website, acatacon.com, there'll be links right there, but easily just find me on Twitter. There is a, there's a Twitter handle, acatacon for that and then also the rpg academy and i'm both of them so sometimes we talk to each other but it's all bs everyone understands i'm just talking to myself <laughs> yeah. but if you go there you'll be able to find the kickstarter it's running for roughly about three weeks from when we're recording so probably two weeks two and a half from when this comes out we are close to that ten thousand level where we get the karaoke party even if we've made that again cannot stress enough five dollars ten dollar donation would be great but truly i want people to come hang out with us the thing that i cannot figure out is marketing because every single year, at least one person comes up and says, I'm local to Dayton, and I had no idea you existed until this year. I'm like, I'm glad you came, but I don't know how to fix that. We've tried. I don't know what to do different. So if you are close enough to drive, and I know I joke about Dayton in Ohio, and it's eh, not the best place in the world, but it's also 
centrally located. If you're anywhere in the Midwest, it's not that far. There is a Dayton airport. There's a shuttle takes you from the airport to the hotel. Once you have a badge, it's pretty cheap. So it can be a reasonably priced vacation if you're looking for that. But especially if you're local and you want to come check us out, I will say that Friday after five o'clock, you can just pay five bucks at the door and you get the rest of the night. Saturday after five, it's 10 bucks for the rest of the night. So if you're local and you can't commit to a full weekend, you just want to see what we're all about. Five bucks on Friday, enjoy everything. Hopefully you have a great time and you'll come back and get a full badge for Saturday. Michael, this has been so awesome. Thank you so very much for coming on again. We love having you on. As we have said before, the uh, the DNA of the RPG Academy is all through what we do here at Tabletop Journeys, and so it's uh, it's awesome to have you on every single time. A lot of fruit on that uh, on that particular vine, Michael. Again, thank you so very much for uh, for coming on tonight to go ahead and talk about a catacon. Again, no absolutely, fruit. I really enjoy hanging out with the three of you. Again, Lee's going to come on the, my Farm to Fable podcast for season five. I'm excited That's to talk about that. Man. And yes. right here, if you guys ever have a Kickstarter or something you want to talk about, come on my show. We can I chat mean, about we, it. If we, I think Open we invite. Should. We should do that. Let's you see if we do can do that. Get something on the schedule and do that. I love, yeah, I love that idea. Good idea. <laughs> so, yeah, real time right collaboration, right? folks. Actually, what did I call it? Uh, uh, collabulation or philabulation? Co- uh, yeah, that's not co- co- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that was a Roman emperor or not. So, <laughs> anywho, thank was, you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you very much, everybody. Go check out the Acaticon Kickstarter. Throw Michael some scratch so that they can get the, uh, the karaoke party. And if you're in the Dayton, Ohio area, just Get your butt over there in November and, and go play games with Michael in the RPG Listen, Academy. Games, you will not regret it. Yeah. Wear a costume. Yeah, but Eat you just feel some Wanderlust. Yeah. 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 Gaming yeah. with friends, old and new. So, anyway, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Good night. I mean, thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash TT Journeys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we did you shade and sweet water.